Hey, everybody, it's Jacob Newton here, professional hockey player and mental health coach, advocate, all of the above. My good buddies over at Sports Epreneur and I did a podcast together about a year ago. And ever since then, we've been keeping in touch, creating content podcasts now. So if anybody out there is interested in doing the same, having their own podcast or want some type of content creation, don't hesitate to reach out to those guys at Sports Epreneur. They are willing and able to help you out. And after listening, don't hesitate in leaving a review. And then you'll get much more access to all of my content across the Sports Epreneur platform. I think you guys are going to really enjoy my guest today. Uh, so in saying that, take it over. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone. Jacob, thank you for having me. My name is Tamara Iglesias. I run a brand called Welly Nest, which is uh, all about conscious parenting and the awakening of the conscious parent's role and responsibility in uh, the journey of the relationship to their child. Um, so, yeah, what would you like me to say from an introduction? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's that's perfect, and that you know can just lead me right into you know, my first question, and again, most people that I've listened, they, again, they know this is about mental health. So it's again, mental health. And now we're, I've wanted to have, you know, guests on that come from different walks of life, not just people that have only dealt with depression or anxiety, you know, the more common, I guess you would say mental illnesses, mental health issues. I want, again, people all walks of life. And I, again, me being a parent myself, I follow you and I follow the content you put out pretty much daily. And I'm just every day, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And I bookmark everything because I think, you know, it's very challenging being a parent. It's, it's easily the most rewarding thing that anybody can do, I would say. And again, I speak from experience, but it is very challenging. So why do you think um, it is so challenging? And what responsibility do you think the parents actually do have opposed to more of what we're seeing in modern society? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is Yes, it's challenging, and I really like to add to the conversation that it can be joyful, it can be easeful, there can be a flow and a fluidity and a dynamic that is beyond that um, kind of uh, old school mantra that it has to be hard. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my work is just expanding the view of what it can be. I'm not saying it's not challenging, I'm not saying it won't be challenging at times, but I'm just, I'd like to birth the idea that it can also be this, mm -hmm. right? My relationship with my daughter is my most favorite relationship I've ever had with another human on the planet. I get more joy from it than I've ever gotten from any other relationship. I uh, get more inspired by it than any other relationship. Um, even today, I mean, my daughter and I were literally sitting on the kitchen floor, crying together, having this like deep emotional talk. Yeah. And you know, and she was talking about like, she's six and a half and she was like, and when I was four and five, and this is how I felt mommy. And, and I'm like, thank you so much for telling me this, sweetie, this helps me. And then we were talking about how it's so important to let our feelings up and out and how if we store them in, if you store them in your body, what it feels. And I get to have these conversations with my six-year-old. So 
I just like, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm a single mother, you know, I'm, um, you know, especially during this time and everything going on on the planet right now, you know, I have my daughter hundred percent of the time, you know, I run a business and it can be intense and it's also as intense as it can be sometimes she's where I go to for joy and for, you know, um, um, to, to release and to play and to have fun. I mean, she's not my only source that would be really codependent and unhealthy. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so I will just say that. And I think the reason why to answer your question, little like, um, side vent there, the reason why parenting can be so intense, I like the word intense because intense could be intense happiness, intense joy, intense sadness, intense anger, is because our children become these really fast-paced mirrors and triggers for the wounds that we haven't yet dealt with or we've been dealing with for a long time and now are being forced to um, be present to it sometimes on a daily basis. And remember part of the, well, not remember, part of the conscious parent's journey as well is having a relationship. It's not a, a conscious parent is, is aware of themselves before um, everything else, right? Um, the difference between conscious parenting and unconscious parenting is a conscious parent when something is off or when there's negative behavior with their child or when they're frustrated or overwhelmed, a conscious parent first looks to themselves. Am I okay? Am I 100% like whole? Am I stressed? Am I feeling triggered? What is my role? What is my responsibility in this dynamic right now in this moment, right? Versus a more unconscious parent and no judgment, right? Many of us were raised by unconscious parents and we're doing the best that we can to transcend and evolve and move a step forward, right? We're constantly, you know, trying to expand and, and elevate the consciousness for the next generation. Um, but the unconscious parents will, will more focus on, oh, my child's acting out. How do I control their behavior? How do I control them? How do I stop that? How do I limit that? How do I act in a way or make a decision to try to avoid that big feeling mm. versus a more conscious parent is like, okay, give me all of your feelings, right? While I stand true to my personal boundaries and our home boundaries and our family boundaries, and I will stand behind you and honor all of your feelings, but I will also be your confident leader in moving you forward and letting you know that these, this is how our world works, right? Within our family. Mm. So that, that's like a big miss. Um, perception as well as that conscious parents are and I think a lot of this comes from attachment parenting that they like give in to the child and there's like no rules and um, it's a free-for-all but it's not at all I have mm. so I have many clear boundaries in my home and um, some people might look to me and say I'm strict in that area right um, but where I'm not where there's endless freedom is in the way my daughter gets to feel right and how she gets to play and how she gets to show up in her life and be a kid that's you know that's the freedom that she has to be anything she wants in any way that she wants um, so yeah back to the challenging thing I also think it's challenging because you know we all have an inner child as well and that's one of the biggest things that gets triggered. And that's one of the um, first places to look when you look at your wounds, because many of us were small children getting blamed and shamed and spoken to in a way that was disrespectful and hurtful. And we create all these then negative thought patterns that become the way that we view the world, right? As our nervous systems being developed. Um, 
So it was a very long answer, but yes, those are some of the reasons why we get challenged. And so in every triggering moment or every interaction with our challenge with our children, I like to say we have an opportunity, right? You can either continue the cycle, continue the um, limiting belief that potentially was passed down to you, or you can choose to take one action, one phrase, one word in breaking that cycle and starting to create a new pathway, a new neuro pathway in the way that you are going to handle your relationship, your response with your child and with mm. your family. Mm. Wow. And, and I agree with everything you said. I think it's so beautiful, so much value in, in the words that you spoke there. What, what would you say um, for myself, my belief, and it's, it's a very strong belief that in order for anybody, any parents, to make that change for something to change in their lives some some type of catastrophic event has to happen because if not what's really you know shaking us to our core to make us you know realize because if we're unconscious how do we become conscious right uh what is it and, and for myself i was sexually abused as a five six and seven year old um at the young young age i was married i cheated on my my now ex uh, and then she decided she didn't want to be with me. So in my adult life, I've had two catastrophic, catastrophic events, excuse me, that have happened that made me realize, whoa, something is happening here. I am making some mistakes that aren't only affecting me, but affecting others. So if, if something like that doesn't happen in a parent's life, what would you say or what advice would you give to a parent out there to start down this path? Because me being on it, you being on it, we both know it, it, yes, it is still challenging, but it is way more joyful now being connected with ourselves and having a better connection with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really great question. And I think so many people that are on a spiritual path have had, um, some sort of, um, jolt in either a traumatic event, uh, the realization of a traumatic event. You know, I experienced abuse as a child as well. When that all came to surface, that was like my big spiritual awakening 20 years ago when I like faced the trauma, right? That was the beginning of my healing journey. And many people would look at that um, and this is a sensitive subject, right? Because some people are still right in 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 trauma in that experience. But um, I look at it as I'm so grateful in many ways that um, that that happened to me because I had this opportunity of waking up to a whole different life, right? Like when when your life as you see it totally kind of crumbles and falls apart and you have to rebuild, you know, in many ways I had this opportunity to rebuild from my belief systems, from my core, from my questions, from, you know, like why why would I do something like that? Oh, that's because that's what my parents did. Is that my truth? Is that my belief? Is that what my being is like fully in alignment with? Right. And as the answers became more and more, no, 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 no. Then I was able to get onto my path of like destiny and Dharma and all of that, you know, and find my life's work. You know, I used to work on wall street, um, for almost 10 years. So to be now doing what I love and have been coaching for almost 10 years now is such a gift that I was able to, you know, move that dial. So if you don't have that, you know, cause a lot of really spiritual where people come from some trauma, right. Yes. Come from, it's almost like our souls choose like, Hey, I'm strong enough to heal from this. 
Mm. I'm willing to evolve, you know, I, I, you know, it's not, nothing's cut and dry, but for me, my journey felt like that. It was almost like my, cho my soul chose to take on the cycles of abuse in the female lineage of my family. Wow. And I feel like my soul was like, yeah, I, I can come in. I can break this. I'm going to break this. And I had that awareness before my little girl. Like I was very clearly working to heal the abuse in my family because I got the download. I was having a little girl four years before she was born. So I started doing all of that work. So I was one of the lucky ones that I got to do this work before I had a child, yeah. right? And many people are jolted onto the, um, the journey when they, when they have a child, right? Mm. Because the, you can't run from it. I mean, I guess you can, right? You can right. totally stay not, yeah, not, be wanting to or willing to and there's many happy people that go on um in life and sometimes you know sometimes a little part of me is like oh it must be so nice to just like you know have that like really even keeled life um yeah. but i think some people just see it um when the struggle comes mm -hmm. i think when the like the big resistance when children start developing into their own people and get that independence then all of a sudden when they're pushing back and the disruption and the lack of ease um and children aren't quote unquote listening and all of the you know when that happens i think parents start to question am i speaking in a way that's serving my child like are the 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 way we flow as a family is that working so i think when there's dis-ease in the family, right? Like anything else, it inspires uh, questions to be right. asked. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. Great. And, and going back to something that, you, you know, uh, an experience that you had with your daughter. And what's her name, by the way? Uh, Scarlett. 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 Beautiful yeah. name. That's great. Um, you had mentioned that she, you guys were on the kitchen floor crying together and she was talking to you about her feelings and her emotions. No, I can't, I, I can't like even imagine the feeling you must have had because I know I've had, uh, maybe not to that level. I think I'm, I'm slowly on my way to getting there, but I had my daughter, uh, again, I was away for hockey season and we were FaceTiming. That was my only form of communication with my, my daughter. Her name is Harper. She's six. My son's name is Nash. He's four. And I remember one, one day, uh, yeah, FaceTiming with my daughter and she goes, daddy, I feel like people, I feel like people around me and people at school, I feel like they're all, they're building my brain. It's like, they're putting stuff in there. And I was just like, and again, that was so little, but that's literally what's happening. You know, like the programming is essentially what she's saying without knowing that she's saying it. Right. But I, I, what I wanted to, to talk on is again, your daughter right there at the age of six and a half saying all this stuff, right. It's just incredible. And I think as parents, we want our kids to always come to us with their stuff with their feelings, with their thoughts, with their emotions. But I think unconscious parents aren't able to get that. They'll never get that because of the dynamic within the relationship, the lack of connection, the, the, the daughter or son maybe not feeling safe to uh, come to parent. And so I wanted to bring this up because I go back to my sexual abuse and it, it wasn't a one-time thing. It, it lasted for two years. Why didn't I go to my parents? Um, my, my cousin, the one that did it to me told me if I did, he beat me up. So maybe there's one reason, but why like, had that not happened? Had he not said that to me, would I have, you know, gone to my parents? And, and again, it's a scary thought, right? Um, because sexual abuse, you want, like, if I can't even imagine if my kids were going through that and they didn't come to me, 
So what do you think parents need to start doing then to start cultivating that connection, to start cultivating that open line of communication so that our kids can come to us with some very heavy stuff that they need help. They need actual tools to help, you know, navigate these emotions and, and thoughts and feelings and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a big one. Uh, the core of this is trust, mm. right? Um, and a lot of trust is broken with children when they have really big feelings and the feelings aren't allowed. Mm. So for instance, let's like a super simple example, something happens and a child's crying. Mm. Most people default to you're okay. You're fine. Stop crying. What that is saying to the child is I'm not okay. When you cry, you need to be okay. I don't want to be around you. And it's, it, it doesn't come up from a hurtful place. Most people are like, you're okay, you're fine, because they want their child to be all better. Right. But what they're teaching is I'm not okay when you're not okay. You need to get better fast, right? And then um, say like when a child comes um, and they've done something wrong, right? And it takes them a lot of courage to come and tell their parents. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the parent, yeah, why would you do that? I told you not to do that. You're going to your room. First, like with my daughter, I tell her, well, many things. But one thing I tell her, there's nothing you could ever tell me that could ever take my love away from you. Oh, I wow. love you no matter what. There's nothing you could do. There's nothing you could say that could ever make you, me love you less. Real quick, I want to ask you, sorry to cut you off there. Do you think that uh, that could be if you didn't have that same relationship with yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh, where like I love myself? Where, so you're essentially letting your daughter know I have unconditional love with you, uh, for yeah. you, excuse me. Do you think that would be possible if you yourself did not have unconditional love for yourself? Because yeah. if not, then there's voids, right? And then she's going to trigger you. Maybe what she comes to you with is triggering and now you're upset. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is a big one. My daughter and I actually talk about this and she asked me, she's like, mom, do you love me more than you love you? Cause she said something the other day. She was like, she said something to someone. She was like, I love you, but I love me the most because I can't love anyone if I don't love myself. And I was just like, that's my kid. Yes. <laughs> Out of her. I was like, yes. Oh, wow. So we, we talk about that, how love comes from within. Mm -hmm. And when I'm able to, you know, cry, it means I'm comfortable around people who are crying. When I'm able to sit with my anger, like we were talking about today, my daughter and I were talking about today in the kitchen, how when feelings sit in our body for too long, they can cause pain, right? Mm -hmm. Like if anger sits in your belly too long, it can cause a stomach ache or if tears sit in your heart too long and they don't come out, like you could get chest pains. Like we talk about this, you know, and, and she was like, mommy, I don't want that to happen. And I was like, sweetie, you let all of your feelings out, you know, yeah. like your body's so healthy. You take mm -hmm. such good care of your body, not only from the food and the water, but you always tell me how you feel, you know, like, and, and so we do, I mean, my daughter has seen all things. I mean, we do now that we can't go places right now where um, we do this like daily dance party and last week I literally was like so angry in my body one day and I'm dancing and I'm feeling all this anger and she sees me and she's like, mommy, it's okay to let your feelings out. <laughs> and then I go from anger to sadness and then I'm crying and she comes and she's holding me. She's like, it's okay to cry mom. And then a minute later, 
later, we're laughing together yeah. and we're like hysterically laughing and I'm holding her. And so I went from like anger to sadness, to tears, to like joy and laughter. And I really feel like that's the way, not always, but we should as humans have access to that fluidity of feelings. Mm. They should come in, or they should at least be able to come right. in these waves, right? But most people, anger covers sadness and people are scared of sadness, right? People are, can be scared of the darkness, like the really raw, intense things underneath. Right. But like everything else, like we're yin and yang, we're light and dark, like we all have a shadow side mm. and we have we should, I don't like have tos, we should be in relationship with our shadow sides. And, and I believe that children should see parents express real emotions. You know, I don't have, I mean, I don't show my daughter like rage and like, you know, like, you know, that, which I have as a woman. Right. Um, but I've shown her almost all my other emotions. And mm -hmm. I think it's so, so important. And as I'm, going on my little tangent i don't even know what the question was yeah no that's that's and that's the beauty of this podcast just let it go wherever don't be afraid of the tangents because i'll go off on myself as well um one yeah. thing you know to, to go back again to to you know the beginning of the conversation you, you spoke a lot about boundaries and how you have your own boundaries and how important it is to stay true to our boundaries and i was reading your post from today um i think it said something along the lines of like if you set a boundary, but then you, you yourself realize maybe it's not so important to you, uh, then maybe you're, you're letting it go. And I actually find myself doing that, not daily, of course, but I'd say every other day. Uh, again, I have my kids every other week, so it's not like I'm experiencing this every day. Uh, you know, so that I get them now Sunday morning until the following Sunday. But I do have moments like that where I'll, I'll say something to my kids that I don't want them to do. I try my best to word it in the most conscious way. But then, boom, it's just like they push back a little bit. And then it's like, wait, is that that important? Does that really matter that much to me? So I think it's a fine line of trying to stop that before I place out that kind of potential boundary, yeah. right? Because I throw it out there. And it's not that it's not important to me anymore, but it's now the kids maybe feel like they have a little bit more control because they came at me and then I broke down. You know what I mean? So how do we as parents just, again, play that line of, of not too much, but not too little in terms of boundaries, because the kids need them. You know, they are very little. Like my son wants to jump from, you know, the top of the house down to the, to the ground and he's very strong, but he's only got four year old legs. He's not going to catch himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's like such a great example, right? Most boundaries should be around safety, mm -hmm. right? Should be around safety and health. What's not a boundary is like, don't put your pencil there and there. I don't want to, or only draw with the blue crayon. I don't want you to draw with the red crayon. Or you know, like where you're constantly controlling your child. That's not a boundary, right? A personal boundary is like, oh, that's too much for my ears. That's really loud. I need you to talk in your regular voice. Or I don't want you to climb on my body. You can climb outside on the slide. Or, um, you know, a boundary in my home is no shoe. I don't allow shoes in the house, right? That's a boundary. Um, another boundary is Scarlett can 
I'm okay with her eating in different places. I mean, we mostly eat at the kitchen table, but she can eat places as long as she's sitting. So I'm not okay with walking and eating. That's not safe, right? She could choke or something. So most boundaries should come to safety. Jumping off the house, that's not safe. I have a boundary of not jumping on the bed because one yep. time Scarlett rammed her head into the wall and I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. So you can jump on our trampoline in the backyard. Like right. that's jumping. Or you can jump in the front yard or jump like up and down in the living room um but often parents will communicate what they think is the boundary which is just the parents opinion getting kind of implanted on their child in a sporadic way without notice without respect that doesn't you know a big question i ask is are the boundaries fair are you really considering your children? And is this a boundary you're willing to stand behind 100 times every time you remind your child of it? And does it have a natural and logical consequence that you're willing to follow through with? Yeah, wow, okay. Because I, I, it's my belief that when, when we're born, uh, you know, if we're born with no mental illnesses or anything like that, we're born healthy, right? We have our own voice. And we go towards those things. That's why parents and people alike will say, kids do whatever they want. Kids say whatever they want. They'll say the darnest things because they're, that's what they're doing. They're doing what they want, right? Until parent comes and says, don't do that. Puts, you know, no, 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 limiting, limiting, limiting. And I think, you know, parents, if they're in a constant state of doing that, of being in control, eventually your voice becomes your son or your daughter's voice. And how toxic do you think that that is for a child? And in some ways you could view it. I know it's very maybe far out there, but almost like an emotional abuse in some ways. Um, and maybe that's a bit extreme. Um, but again, it's going to be different for every parent's right, based on where they're at in their own life. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's unawareness hmm. of it that will negatively affect your child because what you're giving them is you're placing your fears on them you're placing the programming of your insecurities on your child. You're placing your programming of the things that scare you on your child. Like such an easy example, and I was super mindful of this, is like bugs. Like if a child sees a bug, they're mostly like, oh, cool, a spider, a ladybug. But if the first time they see a bug, the mom or dad's like, oh my God, a spider, kill it. You know, then they're going to be like, you fight or flight, fear, that's bad, that can hurt me. And then that becomes their programming, right? Versus like my, you know, I am mindful of telling my daughter about what black widows look like and brown recluses, but we like catch other spiders and put them outside. And Scarlett and I talk about how like, we don't want to kill other things unless it's trying to hurt us, like a mosquito or a wasp, you know? Um, or something like, and you know, we know even like bees, we're like, we need the bees, they pollinate the flowers, you know, like they're kind to the planet, they're a part of you know, mother nature with us. Yeah. But often we will limit our children, just like you said. I believe as well that we come into this world limitless, yes. right? And there, the potential is en endless, the possibilities are endless, right? And it's only through this conditioning, it's through the development of the nervous system, right? The way that we see the world, the way that we interact with the world, the way that we go into a stress response, mm -hmm. and then either having or not having those down-regulating tools so that we are in a healthy relationship with our nervous system, which right. most people on the planet are not. I've mm -hmm. had to do so much work on my nervous system. I'm still doing work on my nervous system. 
I see how it affects my daughter. You know, it's probably like the one area I have the most improvement to do because, you know, I can just see how when I get stressed, how it easily transcends to her. Um, and so if anything, like I'm, I'm doing my work, but also I get to lean on her to be my guide and example of like how free and open she is. And she's right. my reminder to let things go and to be playful and to allow that. Um, but yeah, if you're not aware and you limit your child, then they are going to have that fear, right? And a great example of this is around a child's physical body, mm. right? You try to control and limit your child's physical abilities, then it becomes in their mind that they're not capable. Yeah. And so now you're molding your child's physical capabilities mm. by your own fears in the way, oh, don't do that, be careful, that's too much, get down, that's you know, I don't. I was sharing on my, my conscious parenting call, I think, uh, my group course to my families two weeks ago, that when Scarlett was 10 months old, she rock climbed a little wall at a park. And I could have easily just like picked her up or been like, that's not safe. And literally I was just like, okay, she's going up. I gotta, I gotta just like be there just in case she falls. And I yeah. just followed her up the wall and I was close enough that if she was going to wipe out, I would have caught her. And my 10 month old scaled the rock climbing wall for like mm. five year olds <laughs> or however old it was. Yeah. yeah. And if I let her do that, well, one, she would have been like, oh, mom doesn't think I can do this. That's not safe for me or my body's not capable versus just letting her go. Like another example is like when your child's learning to go up and down stairs. If you try to teach your child like how to move in their physical body, you're basically saying, I know the way your body moves better than you do. There's so many ways to go up and down stairs. I remember the first time my daughter saw stairs in one day, she figured out three ways to go up and down stairs. And then she chose the way she liked the best. And she did that one. Wow. So first she climbed up and then she like climbed down and then she did this like weird thing and then she did a scoot and she decided she liked scooting on her butt down the stairs. <laughs> no. And so that is how she first did it. And if I had been like, hold my hand or hold the railing, right? It wouldn't be the way her body figured out best how to do it, right? So this is this trust piece, right? Trust is a foundation of conscious parenting. Yeah. Like, establishing trust through how we react to their feelings, establishing trust when they come to us with something. A really big thing with trust is so often parents will like correct children and be like, oh, that didn't happen. You're lying. You're this. And basically what you're training your child is don't come to me because I'm going to somehow shame you when you do that. Like if I know my daughter is not telling the truth, I don't tell her that, yeah. right? What is the, what is, how is that going to serve her? right? With me saying, oh, that's not real. That's not true. That didn't happen. It's just going to limit her from coming to sharing with me more. So I'll be like, oh, tell me more what happened or then what happened? Or, oh yeah, was that like, did that happen yesterday in life? Or was that in your imagination? Or tell me more. I want to hear more, right? Versus it takes courage for children to come and share. And if we like correct them all the time, shame them, you know, tell them they're lying, tell them it's not real, we're just going to limit those future interactions. Right. And, uh, and then with the physical stuff, I mean, I, you know, that affects the children, you know, children in so many different ways, right. Eventually they're going to like also look to the parent, right. Is this safe for me? Can my body do this? Is this okay? Versus 
like their own gut. Like, is this okay for me? Can I do this? Do I feel safe? Am I strong enough? Right. I mean, I have a limit. My daughter will be like, put me up in this tree or I've been hands off. Right. My thing is like, sweetie, I don't feel comfortable putting your body in a position that you can't get into yourself. Yeah. Right. Your body knows better than I do about your body. I trust you when your body's ready, you'll be able to go up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Cause I just think too about, uh, you know, my son, yeah, he's only four years old, but he, he's very active. He's very strong. Uh, he, he wants to climb up things. And I think I've never, in terms of like, you know, going to the parks, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll go to the parks and I let my kids go. And I feel like they are very good at letting me know when they need me, when they need my help, when they need my assistance. So I'm not right there hovering over them, you know, um, you know, saying no, no, no. But, you know, my son will try and climb up high. And instead of saying no, I'll just grab his hand and we'll do it together guiding him being there right for him opposed to saying no because the more you say no in terms of the physical stuff i think it again it, it starts as a physical limitation but the more and more and more you say it it now becomes a mental limitation for the child down the line and then what you were just speaking on i think we can connect that to later in life as adults always needing to call people uh whether it be mom or dad or brother or sister or you know closest friends to make decisions I can't make this decision unless, you know, I've got dad to validate what I'm about to do. Um, maybe that's a weird connection, but I, you know, I just made that just now. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to ask, uh, cause I actually, I'm going to, I think I might start writing blogs as well. Uh, yesterday I wrote one on like, uh, in terms of want and need, uh, uh need, uh, being more of a state of the ego and then wanting, um, more of our higher self wanting comes from a, like, there's no lack, there's no, uh, you know, void to be filled. And so today I wrote one about likes and dislikes. Um, so many of the things that I like in my life, I wonder, do my mom or my dad like the same things? The things that I don't like, I bet you they don't like the same things, right? So I think that is right in line with the parent's voice becoming the child's voice. So maybe you can speak on that as well. You know, our likes, our dislikes, our preferences, the, you know, our positive and negative experiences. I don't remember the time I decided I like ketchup on my eggs. I can't remember that time. But I would imagine my parents probably told me that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. You know, I think this comes back to wholeness for mm -hmm. the parent and understanding the idea of separation uh, from your child, right? Your child is also a whole person, right? With their separate feelings, their separate desires, their separate um, likes and dislikes. And often, and you know, you're just talking about the ego, you know, it, it, I feel like sometimes it is a bit, a bit of an ego boost. Like, oh, my kids so much like me. They like the things I like. And you see that, like the unfulfilled dreams trying to be like played out you know, with, with the children and, um, or they're, you know, forced to do things or like, you know, forced to play the piano because their parents did or forced to like a certain thing versus letting the child really choose what they love, you know, and giving them the opportunities to, you know, be involved. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I think every family does different things. Like um, and I think children love activities and there's so many things to do. I'm a little old school where I'm like, 
nature's gonna do. I had like a treehouse and a creek <laughs> in the backyard, you know. I mean, we did ballet and some other things, but we were not in like all these activities. And I really wanted my daughter to choose. Mm. And so I didn't put her in very many things early, if anything, really. It was like playgroups and, you know, um, you know, just like different types of like um, play classes, basically, yeah. where kids would all be together. And then one day, like she, you know, I offered cooking classes to her and she was like, yes. And she's been in cooking classes now for almost three years, but she loves it and she chose it and she's choosing to go back. And now she's really getting vocal of like wanting dance classes. And, but I wanted her to choose that, you know, I didn't want her to like the things I like. Like I didn't do cooking classes as a kid. I'm stoked. She loves it because I love to cook and so great to be able to do that in the kitchen um but just being open to what she wants she wants a skateboard which kind of terrifies me and right. i definitely was not a skater as a kid <laughs> um but i want to like say yes to what her interests are and so it's just coming back to i i do think you're right like very much because what i believe is happening happening subconsciously is there is and i know this happens in my own family right like if i like what my mother likes she likes me a little bit more uh, so there's the uh, if you like what i like and you get on board with my opinions and my thoughts then we get along better right and if you don't i push back against you and that feels a little bit in an unconscious relationship like a loss of love mm. right so they're losing love as if you like what i like i love you more if you do what you know if you do what i do i love you more right if you agree with me i love you more yeah. right versus and this comes from loving yourself the idea of oh i'm so whole that someone not liking something that i do can't break me right mm -hmm. love what you love i love you no matter what mm -hmm. right and that's not a mantra most people have growing up is feeling i'm loved no matter what yeah no, I didn't feel that way. Like I definitely felt there was conditional love in many people from my family. I mean, I felt unconditional love from like two people mm. in my life before my daughter, you know, that wasn't yeah. in like, I mean, relationships I'm going to put aside more like family, you yeah, know? Um, and not a lot of people get that. Like you could, I, it is so important to me that my daughter knows there's literally nothing on this planet she could do yeah. to make it go away. Yeah. Nothing. I love her no matter what. And I say so much that she says that she's like, mom, the love in my heart for you could never <laughs> go away. It just gets bigger every day, mom. And I'm just like, okay. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. Like, that's what I want to pass on to my daughter. That's how I want her to be like me so that she knows in every like bone and being in her body that she is loved no matter what, mm. no matter what. Wow. How different is from me if she doesn't like me or anything, you know, any of it. Yeah. And that's got to be a, a pretty like empowering feeling, I would imagine, especially being a single mom, you know, being a mom with, with a significant other to help you along the way, it has its challenges. But, you know, I, I'm in a relationship now, but I was, you know, a, a single father for about two years. And it comes with, you know, more of a, more of a territory. And, and again, I think I put some unnecessary pressure on myself 
um, to, to be everything I could for them to, you know, plant some good seeds, knowing that I'm going to be leaving in three months and two months and one month and one week, you know? Um, but I wanted to go back to one thing you were talking about in terms of allowing your daughter to choose. Um, I believe that through that they build their own confidence, you know, self-value, self-worth, self-respect. Um, is that, you know, kind of in line with why you want your daughter free to choose? And, you know, of course you still have your boundaries like you do, but in so many areas, like, Yes, free to choose, free to like what you like. My son asked me if he could put ranch on his eggs. And I said, at first I said, no, we don't do that. And then I instantly stood back and I was like, wait, who's we? first of all, who's we? Yeah, and I, then I was second, I was like, wait, yeah, but that might be like, I already know he likes ketchup with his eggs, but now he might like ranch. So now he likes to another thing in his life. You know, like I think we want to naturally like more things, right? Um, so yeah, so kind of what was that path like for you in terms of, you know, again, getting to a level to where you can allow your daughter to choose so freely? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was a pretty easy thing for me to do because I had the awareness very early on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, my, my, my daughter, I, I don't know if you've seen pictures, we look yeah. very much alike yeah. too, you know, which I didn't look like any one of my family so it's really trippy yeah. I was a joke was that I was adopted right <laughs> and so now I have this child that looks every I mean I don't see it the way other people do but people are like she looks exactly like you oh, yeah. talk about journey to self-love like how could I not love everything about myself when I yeah. have my most favorite person in the world that looks like me so I'm yeah. like okay this is my journey to self-love <laughs> um but for me it was this big mantra of just my daughter I want to see who she is instead of see who I want her to be. And so I've been on a quest of deep observation, stillness, mm -hmm. slowing down and really seeing who she is separate from my own stories. Cause I still have my own stories, right? right? I'm a conscious parenting coach. I've been on a healing journey for 20 years and I will be on a healing journey for the rest of my life. I haven't arrived anywhere right? Like, I hope I have a higher vibration, right? right? I hope that, you know, my work is, you know, uh, supporting other people somehow, right? To at least see their own personal power and their brilliance and all of that. And if I can be a reflection of that, right. amazing, right? But I am on this journey with everyone else. I yeah. mean, yes, parenting is my thing, right? And nothing's really come easier to me. But there's an ease as well as like a deep intensity at the same time. Right. Because I, it's just, it's just deepening my own spiritual journey, which I've been on, you know, for, you know, 14 years before yeah. I met my daughter. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest thing is, and I think society is moving at a different pace than what I just talked about. Right. Yeah. We are over scheduling, we are overdoing, you know, there's this idea of, this the like the too muchness syndrome right where we're all doing too much and that's the beauty of, of one of the positive aspects of what's going on right now is i think people are realizing one they're having to be in relationship with themselves um which in some situations is really unhealthy and i mean it's a whole that could be a whole, whole nother you know yes. many hours conversation <laughs> like we're having to be we're having to look at the relationship with ourselves, right mm -hmm. and we have this opportunity to like figure out like do i like my life the way it was 
Am I going back to that life? You know, and that's kind of what happens in parenting too, right? Like, do I like who I am showing up to parent my child or do I need to step deeper on to this healing journey and become the person I want to be so I can be the parent I want to be? Because you can't separate who you are from how you parent. I mean, it's the, the greatest teaching we can do for our children is modeling being an incredible, kind, compassionate, empathetic, loving human on the planet, right? Yeah. That's the yeah. biggest gift we can give to our, one of the biggest gifts we can give to our children. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, and, I, and I'm sure you would agree that kids, you know, to a certain degree, they will follow what we say, but they're more likely to follow what we do. So I think it's also important for parents too, to, you know, no matter what path you're on, if you're on this path of conscious parenting or you're not making sure, and this could, heck, this can be connected to life in terms of goal setting and things like that. Let's make sure that the things that we want, the parent that we want to be is, again, in line with our actions. You know, our words aren't speaking one thing and then our actions are saying another thing because I think that can be, you know, somewhat traumatizing a bit for the kids too, right? Um, but yeah, just, wow, there's just so much knowledge here, so much value. Um, and again, I know, um, I hope you're like so proud of yourself and love, and I know you love yourself, but it's just remarkable. Um, and, and I think like, like we said before we, you know, I hit the record button that it's, uh, you know, me being a father, being on this journey, I too, just like you had mentioned that would love to see more men getting involved, more fathers getting involved with this. And what would you say would be the importance of that? That it's, of course it's, we need moms too, right? Just like we need dads. Uh, but I would say there's way more mothers out there that are on this path than there are fathers and how important do you think it is for the kids that we get more fathers on this path as well yeah we need conscious parents period mm. male female mother father you know stepfather stepmother what you know we need conscious humans raising and caring for children mm. um and Unfortunately, you know, in my work, I see it so often, right? You know, one of my things with my private clients is I'm like, I, the whole family, like everyone come in, everyone's coming in for coaching, right? Yeah. If there's a, there's a dad, like he's coming in too, right? Like I, ideally it's very rare that I don't work with the whole family. Okay. Um, but we're having, we're breaking away from that old school mentality that the dads go off to work and the mothers raised the children, right? Because years ago, it was like that. And it was like that. Um, and so there's, it's almost like it's lingering. And often, especially, you know, and there's, you know, so many different ways that you can have children, but especially like, you know, if, in those early stages, say a mother's nursing, right? Like the, the father can't nurse, right? He can give a bottle and this. And so oftentimes the story that I hear, and I just like, I never bought into this. I hear it so often, like, oh, I connected to my child, like when they got a personality or when they like started to be, you know, something or when they, and I'm just like, they were a whole person the moment that they come in and I get it, right? I get like, you know, a man struggling to find the connection mm -hmm. in a young child, especially if that man is, you know, um, showing up as within the wounded, like the archetype of the wounded masculine, right? Yeah. So 
if this man wasn't allowed to feel growing up or had an abusive father or had a negligent father or had a father who didn't have an emotional emotional intelligence and many people didn't even have mothers who had you know high yeah. eqs going on it's hard to be around a crying baby because it, it ignites something in themselves that they weren't able to be and feel and express and so I get it. I've got great compassion for not only the men, but the women and all the people where like their child's crying and they don't know what to do. Mm. Right. Like even me, I mean, you know, I didn't really have that too. You know, I was like a little bit told I was a dramatic kid and I was too much cause I felt so much. And you know, I was this very sensitive child. Um, but some of my greatest work as a mother to Scarlett, my little girl was I got to a point where I could be totally comfortable within her discomfort. Ah. So she would be crying, she would be upset, and I was okay. Mm. And that was some of my biggest work because in me being okay, I actually got to show up whole for her. And it got to be about her and not my hurt, not my wound, not my trigger. Don't get me wrong, I still love triggers. You know, I'm still yeah. working on those. But, you know, and, and honestly, it evolves. Like, I think I'm in a, um, I mean, we're in an intense time, but I feel like six-year-old me went through a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so now I have six, my six-year-old little girl, right? And so my six-year-old little girl is starting to feel, I think this was the time where I started to be a little bit bigger and I started to have a little bit more voice. And for me, as I got older, like, um, I don't think my father appreciated that I had my own opinions so much and, and I had a voice and I pushed back and all of this. So there was that dynamic, right? And so I'm having to remind myself and go through these, these healing opportunities with my own daughter. One thing that's coming up, I was sharing with my private client yesterday is my, I was really silly and I don't think I was allowed to be really silly. Wow. And my daughter's really silly right now. She's going through a fake laughing phase, <laughs> Yeah, you know, where she's just like, just, ah, I love to fake laugh. Ha 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 ha. You know, I'm just like going off. And I felt when it first started to happen, like it was such a big trigger for me. And I was like, why is this triggering me? She's just having fun. Mm. Is it too loud? Yeah, kind of, but that's not it. It's like, oh, I wasn't allowed to be this silly. And so when it's happening, I literally, and you know, and now I feel like I'm on the other side of it, right, where I'm good, but I had to be like, okay, let me just be silly with her. Mm. Let me just let her be playful. She's just being a kid. And the only reason why it's triggering me because it's triggering the fact that I wasn't allowed to do it. And uh, so sometimes even the positive expression can be a trigger. I'm letting my girl do this and it's mm. triggering me because I was never allowed to do it. Wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible stuff. So much insight there. And I think, you know, the takeaway for anybody listening out there, again, going to your example about your daughter crying, it wasn't your it wasn't ever going to be about your daughter crying because it could be your daughter crying. It could be her screaming, any other things that would cause a trigger. It was more about what was going on within you while she's crying. So why I bring this up is because I wanted to ask you, okay, so while you're sitting there, either it's meditating or visualizing. So you're probably in that experience and of your daughter crying. Are you focusing on being okay with her crying or are you more focused on the inner experience of what's going on? Where is this trigger? Where's, you know, what do I need to, you know, peel back to get to the root of the issue here? Right? Because I think unfortunately 
We hear our children crying. They are the ones that triggered us. So it's their fault. Now we react at them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the answer to this question lies where you are on your conscious parenting journey, right? right? Um, if you are just doing the work, most likely you're going to be in your emotional body and you're going to have that type of response when your child's upset. So you most likely can't be fully present to your child and be there to meet that emotional need that's going on for them, right? Because you're still working through your stuff. Yeah. So obviously the um where we're striving to get to is to not be triggered when our child is upset right and to have the self-regulation tools to have worked through our triggers mm -hmm. to be aware of what's ours and what's not and to be able to just show up um, as your child's safe emotional support system in that moment um, so that's where you want, you know, that's where we're going towards, right? And that's why I shared some of my biggest work was how can I sit within my daughter's discomfort and be okay? Because then I can actually give her my full presence and my full attention because I share often that presence and attention are the greatest forms of love we can give to our children. So I'm showing up to love my daughter deeply as she's going through her emotional experience. And what I found is especially when she was little you know feelings are different now they evolve um because i was so okay with her being upset she got over things so fast i mean still to this day i share you know probably on every podcast i'm on i don't think my daughter's ever cried for more than two minutes in her whole life or a minute you know it, it's never felt long i've never been like when is the crying gonna end ever in her whole life and it's almost like my intention, literally, I went in every time she was upset and I was like, how can I pull all the feelings out of her? Yeah. How can I get them? It's almost like pouring a cup, right? In one way to simplize, simplify it in a way when my daughter was upset, my mindset was like, okay, there's a cup full of feelings. I'm here until the last drop falls out and then we can move on to the next thing. And so most people want to steady the cup and put it back on the shelf with all the water in it, right? Because yeah. it's too much. They don't want to get wet. They don't want to get soaked with the feelings, right? They don't want to get doused with the feelings because it's overwhelming. They don't know what to do because most people weren't handed towels as kids to like wipe off all the water, to wipe off all the feelings, you know, and to process and release and let go. And so it becomes a very natural thing, getting wet or taking a shower, right? This is a weird analogy, but it's kind of working. Um, you know, becomes traumatic, right? Versus like, hey, we can cry, we can get wet, we can just towel off and then we move on and the towel dries and we're all great, you know? But a lot of people don't have that, right? Like it's almost like the water is gonna melt us or traumatize us or unearth something that is too big and scary to face because we don't have the tools, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you just, you give Scarlett the room, the space that she needs, the space that her emotions, her thoughts, her feelings need to pass. And I think, you know, being in our adult lives now, you know, when I'm, when I'm triggered myself, when I experience sadness or anger, I just honor it now. I don't push it away. I used to have forms of suppression. I used to have coping mechanisms, you know, alcohol, marijuana, all these different things. Um, but now I've, I've learned that I need to be comfortable with my discomfort. I need to be comfortable in my triggers, right? So I think that's what you experience as well. Um, you're, you're comfortable with your discomfort. You're comfortable when your daughter cries. It still might trigger you at some point, 
but you have a better relationship with that now. And now you're not coming from a place of reaction, which is in most cases a negative state, opposed to a place of response. And now we're in a more of a positive state of mind, right? Um, So what are, it's a two-part question. What are some of the things that you're doing in your own personal life in terms of self-love and then what are because i know i it's so beautiful i see the things that you do with your your daughter in terms of yoga i think you guys are doing kundalini or you have so maybe i just answered the question a little bit so part a would be what are you doing for yourself do you do things by yourself or are you including your daughter and and everything and then what do you do with your daughter to keep you guys so beautifully connected yeah so I love that you asked that. Um, I, I believe there should be three um, forms or categories of self-care in a parent's life. The self-care you do for you on your own, most likely behind closed doors. The self-care you do for you out in front of your child without any attachment to them doing it and the self-care you do with your child. Okay. So there's this, you know, the stuff you do on your own the stuff you're doing, like you meditate in front of your kid or you do a yoga class in front of your kid, but they don't have to do it, right? That will squash a child's desire to do something is if you're constantly correcting them and like, it's your left foot or put that forward or don't do it this way. Like, let's let them do it the way they want to do it. And they're going to have so much more fun doing it, most likely. Um, and then the self-care that you do with your child. So I've been taking Scarlett with me to Kundalini Yoga since she was two. So we've been going for four years together. Um, and we were going twice a week before all of this. We actually just did our teacher's class this morning via Zoom at 9 a.m. Nice. Um, it was really nice. So we're still doing it just virtually. Um, and I started taking my daughter to the gym with me when she was two. I got to go to an outdoor gym. So she would just... I have like the, I mean, I also have like the greatest kid on the planet who literally would just sit through a one hour workout class for me <laughs> for years until I got injured and then couldn't go anymore. It's really beautiful. Like Scarlett's kind of known in our community as the kid that can show up to adult things. Like she's allowed to come to like new moon circles where other kids aren't allowed. Or like I used to do goddess work for years and then Scarlett started coming to goddess temple with me. So it'd be like all these women and my little girl, like dancing and releasing feelings and like, you know, doing goddess work and all of this. Um, we also, um, I, I have a personal meditation practice um, and often it's in front of Scarlett, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she has her own room and, you know, we have um, lots of, you know, space and she still like ends up, you know, next to me often, Um, even sleeping in her own room, she somehow ends up in my bed most mornings. Um, But so she sees me meditating on my own. I chant and do mantras and she'll sing in with those. Um, I journal and it's really beautiful. Like when I'm like, oh, I need some time to journal. I journal a little bit every day and sometimes longer. She'll go get hers and she'll, she started journaling with me when she was little. She would just write and scribble things on a little notebook and just sit next to me and let me do it. And this has been a beautiful thing because I have done all of this self-care. I was really crap at self-care for the first eight months of her life. And my nervous system was then hanging on by a thread. And as is my life, the lessons, like all my life lessons normally come through my life. And then I learn how not to be through my mistakes. Yeah. Um, 
And so now I support all my families in not doing what I did those first eight months. But then I really learned how to take care of myself, especially once, surprisingly, once I became a single mother and I had the freedom outside of um, my old relationship to take care of me and honor me. Um, and so, um, I've, I've always shown her, like, she's always seen it. And because I didn't hide it from her, she quote unquote, lets me do it. Right. It's just a way of life. Like, of course, mom meditates every day. Of course she needs time. She'll literally let me meditate and journal before we read books at night. This is bedtime, right? Yeah. Bedtime when your child is like most tired and most vulnerable. She will let, like, if I'm tired, I'm like, sweet, I want to journal and meditate before so I can fall asleep with you and I don't have to get back up and do it after. Yeah. She will let do that before we read books. Last yeah. night, she was a sweet, poor soul, not poor soul, sweet soul. She <laughs> fell asleep before we even read books because I took too long to journal and meditate. And she yeah. just fell asleep next to me. It was so oh. sweet, you know? <laughs> Love um, that. And so I start that. And, I, I, and it's important to verbalize this too. Like verbalize why you do it and how it makes you feel and why it's important. Scarlett was dancing two weeks ago and she's like, mom, I'm trying to sweat. I'm trying to get all the toxins out of my body. And I'm <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. You know, it's, these things are like really coming up, you know, mm -hmm. like she knows like water is the best thing for her body. I mean, she's known these things for years. And I mean, at like three years old, she was telling me, mommy, I'm feeling really sad in my body, mm -hmm. you know, like stop your body. I don't want your body close to me, like to someone else, you know, like she has like really clear boundaries. She has no problem expressing her emotions to other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, so it should be a part. I think often a lot of parents will just do it behind closed doors, right? It's like get a sitter or, you know, go with your partner and then you go do your self-care and your child doesn't get to see it, right? If they don't see you taking care of yourself, how are they going to learn how to take care of themselves, right? right? Like, and this goes for all things. This goes for like physical health, mental health, wealth consciousness, all of these things. We need to be including our children in these conversations mm. right like i have never told my daughter we can't afford that right there's other ways to do it right i don't need to get into her wealth consciousness that's something like for her she has the most abundant life possible right um and you know i'm a single mother you know doing all things for my kids so it's not you know we're not like like loaded you know we have a very great life um and she never wanted for anything you know but i make it about me i'm like oh sweetie that's not something i want to get right now we can talk about it perhaps another time versus like we can't afford that that's too expensive because what is that programming right the same way like that work um you know and obviously like there, this is such a bigger conversation i don't want to like brush over it so i'll say we're brushing over it so it doesn't like so people don't think, think i um it's a really a big big thing um what was I just about to say about uh, wealth consciousness though? Oh, and the work, the work um, mindset, right? You have to work so hard to be successful. Mm. Like I literally say to my daughter, sweetie, I do what I love. I help people and I try to work as efficiently as possible and make as much money for you and me to support us so that I can spend quality time with you. Wow. Like that is the programming. I 
want her to have, right? Do what you love. Let it be lucrative. Let let yourself be prosperous. Let yourself feel worthy of abundance, right? And you do not have to work, you know, like maybe she will, right? I used to work on Wall Street, right? That was my that was my programming, right? The more money you make, the better you are, the harder you work, the more money you'll make. I mean, I was that, right? Yeah. And my worth was based on, you know, like straight A's and college and scholarship and Wall Street and now I'm something, right? Yeah. Which please, what did that get me, right? Except like like run down, stressed out. Yeah. So I just want to create a new programming in her, right? Where she can have all of those things. And if she chooses to work 12 hours a day, great. She chooses to work four and make a full-time salary. Like, let's change the dynamic a little. Let's change our programming. Like it's old school where it's like, if only if you work hard, will you be anything? It's like, what if you love on people and are kind, then you're, you know, how about that? How about then you're the most incredible person because you have the biggest heart, you know, it's just time to, I'm just trying to give examples of, you know, the programming here and how it all matters, right? Our self-care, our wealth consciousness, our mental health, talking about feelings, right? Talking about work. We should include our children. Like so often children aren't included in the conversation and then they grow up and it's they're they're on their own. Right. Like, how do you save? How do you invest? How do you talk about emotions? How do you, you know, share your greatest vulnerability? We need to give children safe environments to be in all of this, to experience all of this, to feel all of this and not just, yeah, not to mention like the body shaming and sex and all, you know, like all of these things yeah. need to be spoken about, right? Yeah. I mean, like silly, you know, I've, you know, called my daughter, you know, her vulva and her vagina and all of that, like her whole life. Cause you know, especially a child of abuse and you know this, like if a child, if you call it like a woohoo or something yeah. and then something happens, you know, and a child, it, like, it's just, it, we need to give children we need to treat children as the whole beings that they are as children, right? They're not adults, right? But whole beings. Yeah. I think that's the issue. I think unfortunately we view kids as being less than us. And of course they're younger than us, but again, at their default, at our default, we are love and we are whole already. So I think naturally we will have our own, our own voice. Naturally we will like the things that we like and dislike other things. Um, But I think, we're in this place, unfortunately, where we want to, sh- you know, shelter our kids. We want to keep things from them because they can't handle it. And I think what's actually happening is we can't handle what reaction they might have or response they might have. But I think you're, you're hitting it right on the head with that. And again, I think about myself. So I'm speaking from my own experiences. I think after my sexual abuse, you know, in my teenage years, I think a lot of things were withheld from me in terms of my family. I think a lot of things were kept from me to keep me safe, to keep me not, you know, emotional. You know, I had been sexually abused and I moved away from home when I was 15 years old, when I was probably at the height of my depression where I needed family the most. Um, and I just felt like, yeah, a lot of things were like I would find out from a friend or I would find out a year later or three years later. I'm just like, why wasn't I told this then? Yes, I might have been hurt, but at least I'm dealing with truth, with honesty, opposed to me finding out then. And now it's just like, I can't even trust my parents or I can't even trust my brothers and sisters, right? So um, yeah, just a, a lot of great things there. Um, one thing I wanted to ask too, we can wrap this up here pretty soon, but in terms of like healing, um, 
for myself, I went through three years of therapy uh, and it was great instrumental for me, but it was great to a certain level. Uh, for myself, my mind was still in control. My mind was still, you know, my preferences, I guess you would say, uh, my beliefs were still running my life, controlling my life. Um, and now I'm on a path where it's meditation. Now I'm reading a, a new book uh, by Dr. Joe Dispenza. It talks about, you know, quantum physics and energy. And the habits and, of being yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I've, and I'm, like, I'm experiencing a lot of very deep insights into my own life, into my own journey of healing in, in such a short amount of time. So um, I've also had thoughts now of doing maybe shrooms, a micro dose of shrooms, uh, three, like three grams. It, uh, there's a show on Netflix called uh, The Goop Lab with Gwyneth Paltrow. Maybe you've seen it, but they, you know, some of her employees go to Jamaica and they do a micro dose of, of shrooms and it's super, super healing. I've never done shrooms. I've never thought, oh, shrooms are something I'm gonna beat, but if I can go and heal, a little bit from my sexual abuse. Well, yeah, why not? So has there been anything like that that you've done in terms of your own individual healing? Yeah. So the biggest breakthrough years ago, my first big, so I did therapy, mm -hmm. you know, I ended up having a really bad eating disorder when I was younger from the abuse and yeah. I had gotten a scholarship to college and then lost it because I got so sick and, um, so that was 19 when my whole world fell apart. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to heal the eating disorder really quite well, actually. I mean, I, I, and most people can't say they have a positive relationship to food. Like there's a difference between having an eating disorder and then like disordered eating, which most people probably have, right? Like some form of, you know, overeating or emotional eating and all of that. And, um, I was one of the lucky ones to not only heal from an eating disorder, but you know, at one point I was doing health coaching and all of this stuff, like it transformed my life. And I also like, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD and depression and anxiety. So I've like gone down that mental health route years yeah. ago as well. That, so that was easier for me to heal than the abuse. Yeah. There was so much more shame around the abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Because most times the people that are being abused, like we feel like it's our fault. Right. right. Like we didn't do something to stop it. Mm. Um, and we're children, right? Like that's, you know, this is the work, uh, but the biggest breakthrough for me, it was actually when I was older. So I can talk about my, I can talk about all things now, but mm. there was a period of time where I could only talk about my eating disorder. I couldn't tell people about the abuse. It was too much for me, right? There's still too much held trauma in there. So there was too much charge. Mm. And I think, we can start to experience what true healing is when we don't have that charge anymore. Like we can talk about something and we have a different relationship to it. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was after the download that I was having a little girl where I was like, okay, I need to heal this abuse aspect now. And the Maori healers were my biggest breakthrough, the indigenous healers of New Zealand. Okay. Um, they, I, it's like all divine timing. I was at a health conference with David Wolf and all these other healers. Um, and like, a, I randomly like got the last spot and, you know, it was all divine. You know, there was like two guys and a girl and the Maori healers are like really big people and I'm waiting in line and I'm meant to go with the guy and the woman comes over and she was like, you're, I want you to wait for me, you know? And like, so 10 minutes later I'm on her table and I, she could, I, you know, there's, I, therapy's great, right? And then there's this 
other layer of healing through mm -hmm. energy work, through emotion, the emotional body, through the nervous system, through, you know, the neuropathways, through all of the other aspects of the body and the brain and the being. And I knew she could feel my abuse, right? Like she dug into my gut. It, I'd never experienced anything like it. It was like, it literally felt like if someone shot me in the stomach, that's what it would have felt like. Mm -hmm. I glimpsed, my friend like witnessed the whole thing. Supposedly I was like screaming and people were holding me down. And it was like, and then I went into silence for a week after that. And it was like the breaking point in my healing. I literally just couldn't talk. Like I was in the corner, like crying, moaning. And then like, I felt it. It was so empowering looking back. The, I literally like raged up, roared up, screamed up. Like it was like fire, like ripping out of my gut. And it was like all the, the pain and the suffering and the anger and the victim and like all of this stuff. And it just like, literally felt like someone like a fireball like ripped out a fireball from my gut and I've done healings like this you know I've continued to do healings like this they're way more gentle now in my life you know but I needed that back then and then I went into that silence and I continued to do like the the healing from the abuse from when I was a little girl to the point where when I got pregnant by accident it was my girl was a surprise yeah. I was like oh my god I've done the work I, I think she's got a blank canvas. I think she's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, thank goodness, you know, because I got the download I was having her and then I kind of forgot. And then someone predicted her two years before she came. And sure enough, two years later, I had a kid and I was like, how is that possible? I was living in New York single and here I am out in California with a kid. Did not think that would happen that fast. Yeah. Um, so I've done, I mean, I've done all types. I've done Reiki. I've done like distance healing. I've done cord cutting. I, you know, do work to get my energy back. I do Kundalini. I've done the Maori healers. I've done body work. Cause you know, I've had, I've gone through like many, like the 10 round rolfing series where, you know, my rolfer like felt my childhood trauma, like in my shin, you know, we store this trauma in different places all over our our body. I do biofeedback now. I work with healers still. Mm -hmm. um, I got certified in yoga nidra last year, yoga nidra, sleep yoga, all about the reprogramming of the subconscious mind. I incorporate wow. that into my work to help heal the limiting belief systems. Mm -hmm. Joe Dispenza is the teacher of my teacher. Okay. Um, so incorporate his work into it. Um, yeah, the Kundalini, the meditation, the yoga, the goddess work got it. Like for me as a woman to actually embody what it feels like to be in my divine feminine mm. and to operate in my work and in my life from more my feminine versus I was way dominant masculine. I was running hardcore on wall street, like yeah. all in my masculine energy, all out of whack. So all of it, you know, plus the conscious language. I mean, the conscious parenting has been like such an incredible healing journey for me too, you know, and I'm so lucky I get to be a coach that I'm like continually healing alongside of my clients, you know, because as a parent, I get to go through all the stages and have that real life experience, which is why when I did health coaching, like 
you know, I was so grateful that like my health did fall apart and I had hypothyroidism and all my hair fell out and I restored my own health and I was told I couldn't have kids and I have kids and, you know, she's had one cough in her whole life. She's so healthy, you know? Um, and so I've lived my life of breaking all these barriers, you know, I was on de depression medication, came off, right? The hypothyroidism healed myself, wasn't able to have kids, just all of these things. Like it's about, I've had the opportunity to break all of these things so that I have the experience and knowing that it's possible. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. Good for you. I am so, uh, just like so happy and so grateful for this, uh, experience with you, Tamara. Um, I don't think, uh, we need to go uh, any longer. So if there's anything that you would like to, to leave the, the listeners with, um, and then after that, just the place where they can find you, uh, maybe on social media. I know, again, I follow you on Instagram. I, we're now new connections on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, anything that you would like to leave uh, the listeners with? Um, I feel like I wanna leave with um, be kind, and gentle on yourself. It is so easy to go into mom guilt, to go into dad guilt, to beat ourselves up. And just remember, if we are beating ourselves up, the chances that we are modeling this to our children is there too. So this journey is intense, right? There's highs, there's lows, there's deep magic like I've talked about. There can be really big pain that gets unearthed. And I would just leave like wherever you're at right now is totally okay. And if you can start in that place, right? It's like full acceptance of yourself for who you are and where you are right now and everything that's happened. And that's a lot. It takes a lot, right? But that deep forgiveness and that deep kindness and that deep compassion for you first as the person, as the parent, you know, is so important. It's so like, we're all going to mess up, right? We're, there's no human on the planet that's not messing up. Like we need success. We need failure. We need highs. We need lows. We need the contrast, right? Talk about contrast therapy right now, like cold immersion, right? It's so good for your nervous system. We need, it's like the aspect of rewilding ourselves, whole nother conversation, but we need this contrast. So I will just leave because one, no, this is my work, right? This is what I do for a living. Like, and um, so often clients will be like, well, I'm not there and I'm not that. It's not about this, right? If anyone is listening to this and even open to anything I've said, then that's amazing. You're amazing. You're already making a change. You're already doing something different. You're already potentially setting an intention for future action, future shifts that will change the, the future of your, your children and the generations to come. And know that that one tiny little awareness or that one tiny little step, it's enough, right? And the most important thing is like, how are you appreciating that one step how are you showing up to love yourself how are you showing up to be kind to yourself and essentially let that kindness ooze out to everyone else in your life right we want to move away from that compare you know the the comparison the 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 blame the shame the better the work you know like let's drop the labels and let's come back to love you know and acceptance and that's what i would say that's what i would leave everyone with um, I, love, I love that. I love that. And uh, again, yeah, anywhere anybody can find you in terms of social media. Yeah. So I'm very active on Instagram. It's kind of like my gift to the universe. I put a lot of, as you know, a lot of free content. I put a lot of time and energy and effort into it. Um, 
because I want to be able to help anyone from anywhere. Yeah. Um, I've got a, um, some new guides out that I'm really excited about, a whole series of guides and workbooks that are coming that are, I'm kind of known for my conscious parenting language alternatives, like yeah. how, if you don't say no, what do you say, right? If you don't shame and blame, what do you say? How do you instill a boundary? So people can find um, my work there on Instagram. Um, I run an eight-week course a couple times a year. It's a beautiful container for 20 families at a time. Um, you can find all my services and my private coaching, all of that, just on Welly Nest. Or either Instagram has all of my links or just wellynest.com. And Welly Nest is W-E-L-L-Y with the Y and then nest.com. Um, and I love hearing from people. So I always say reach out and tell me the stories that I hear. That's like my inspiration, right? That's why I like, continue to put the time and effort into um, social media and that is because I hear how it helps people and it warms my heart and it just affirms that I'm doing the work I'm supposed to be doing in the world and I'm grateful to be of service. Yes, absolutely. All righty, Tamara. Well, thank you so much for this, uh, this experience. It's, it's been incredible. And again, I am just uh, truly, truly grateful from the bottom of my heart. And again, I know there's uh, so much, so much that you said here today that uh, I know a lot of parents and even future parents, I think this is a path, you know, you said it sounded like you were on this path maybe for four or five years before Scarlett was born. I think this, that's very important to try and analyze ourselves before we have kids. It's going to negate many, many, uh, you know, moments of tension uh, between our, our, our children and ourselves. So, so again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, for anybody listening, again, don't hesitate in leaving that comment and subscribing, giving you much more access to all of my content across the Sportsypreneur platform. And saying that, that was episode number 19 of the RAB with JLN Podcast, Raw, Authentic, and Vulnerable with Tamara from Wellingness on Instagram, uh, wellingness.com. That's going to be it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and have a grateful day.